Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and today is super exciting. I don't know if you can hear already, but the sound of this episode is going to be awesome because I am recording live at the newsstand studio at Rockefeller Center in Manhattan. It is so fancy pants. I'm not in my Brooklyn closet, so I am just so grateful. Thank you so much, Rock Center, for sponsoring this episode. And today I have on Tony Collier. She is a speaker, host, and consultant that has helped organizations with student ministry, creative marketing, leadership, and strategic planning. She's also the founder of a women's ministry called Broken Crayons Still Color that I literally went through the website for an hour today. It's so incredible. They She helps women process through brokenness and going towards hope. She lives in ATL with her husband, Sam, and daughter, Dylan. And this woman has been on a journey. So One of the top reasons why I wanted to have Tony on is I recently saw one of her Instagram posts, and here's what she says. She said, I made God and myself a promise when I was 24 years old because he brought me out of sexual and verbal abuse, church hurt, suicidal thoughts, addiction, chronic insecurity, divorce, severe anxiety, and eating disorder, sexual manipulation, and depression during the first 24 years of my life. I wouldn't waste one second not glorifying his name and pursuing hope and healing for every single woman he would allow me to reach. She says, I promised that I would stare women in the eyes and tell them, maybe for the first time, that God still has a plan for them, even in the middle of their brokenness. I have goosebumps just even reading that out loud because I have been through heartbreak. I have been through broken seasons of my life. And recently, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because it's quarantine and relationships are kind of fumbling apart, but so many of you recently have reached out to me saying, I've just been broken up with. I've just been rejected. I'm going through heartache. How do I move through this to the other side? And I instantly knew that Tony was the woman to walk us through this. So, Tony, hey, girl. Hey, how are you? I am so good. Living my best quarantine life. Shout out to COVID. And so glad to be here with you. I'm so happy to have you here. Okay, there's a few things that I know we're going to dive into the deep end of a pretty heavy conversation, but you live in ATL, which is my, like, I've always 
whenever I think of ATL, I think of Usher, and then I think of ATL Sade, and then how I've always wanted a guy to call me Shorty, and so it's good. never happened yet thus far. Does your man call you Shorty? <laughs> Sam, my husband, is an ATLian, so he's from Atlanta. I'm actually from Texas, so I love it. I'm down for the cause. Luda Chris. Yes, Luda. Uh, Real life confession. I got front row seats to the Luda Chris concert (laughs) post-college, and I I still love Luda. I think he's amazing. He has such a distinct voice. Oh, correct. That is the truth. You're like, okay. you can hear Luda's, you can like depict his voice from a mile away, which I feel like if you're a singer, that's what you want. That's what you want. That's what you want. Yeah. Yep. All right. Also, we cannot bypass the fact that you are from Houston. Uh-oh. Houston Rockets, Beyonce. Ah! Um, I need, okay, what are your thoughts on Beyonce? I mean, you breathed her same air growing up. How do you feel about that? Same air. And I just, I know that the reason that I am is because she was, you know, and I just think that the people need to understand that if there was a place that Beyonce was going to be from that could contain all of her glory (laughs) is Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. To know this all i have a lot of texas pride yes literally it's in the top of my bios i have to take it out sometimes because it may be a little disrespectful <laughs> but i literally they're like hey oh my gosh tell us about yourself i'm like well first i'm from texas <laughs> first okay. of all i'm a texan okay <laughs> so i love it hometown love it so much been gone for 10 years i still can't believe it because yes. our rep is so hard but here we are you know well i'm from texas as well I'm a Texas girl. I'm from Dallas, but my dad lived in Houston growing up. So I would spend my summers in Houston. And around the time I was like 10 or 11, he was like, well, Catherine, there's this new girl band called Destiny's Child. And they're in Houston. And that's when I fell in love with Destiny's Child and Beyonce. And she's just the best. So are you a Houston Rockets fan? Oh, yeah. Rockets all day. Texans, baby. I will ride with all of them. (laughs) That's totally fine. I will rock the jerseys. I'm into it. You don't have to win to be great all the time. You know, I feel that I'm I'm like a ride or die Dallas Cowboys because I grew up a few minutes from the stadium. So when we had playoffs for football in high school, we would go to Texas Stadium. So I'm like, you know, I'm ride or die Dallas Cowboys. I, I know. I know they're I know they're not that great anymore. I know they're horrible, but it's okay. I know. And also that football is like so bad for you. And I feel kind of like, I feel kind of, you know, confused about how I want to support football. But then I go back to Texas and I'm like, so I don't know if you've experienced this. I don't know what it's like in ATL, but when I moved to LA after college, you know, high school football is everything in Texas. Like it's what you do on the weekends. Like, yeah, the whole city shuts down. And so I moved to LA and it's a Friday night and I'm in my mid twenties and everyone's like, what do y'all want to do? And I say, well, is there a football game? There a football game. And they, they said, what type of football game? And I said, you you know, is Newport beach high school have a football game? And they (laughs) said, uh, are you a pervert? Like, why do you want to go see the high school boys play football? To go to the young people's game, honey bun. Okay. And I said, that not that where everyone hangs out? Isn't this America? And they're like, honey, you're not in Texas anymore. You just got to shut it down right now. <laughs> sweet. 
You just got to shut it down. Got to shut it down. All right, Tony. So like I read a little bit in your bio and that IG post, I mean, gosh, you have been through so much. And as we start off, I just would love to hear as much of that story as you want to share about your heartache and your pain that you went through and your divorce and, you know, failed marriage. What was that like for you? Man, whilst <laughs> let me say this, our childhood wounds become the hurdles of our adulthood. Mm. And so uh, my heartache started with, you know, my relationship with my dad um, and the heartache right there as a little girl. Mm. Um, my dad was really verbally abusive growing up. And he worked all the time because my mom was disabled and sick. And I, at the time, didn't know this, but I was a three on the Enneagram. Yes, girl. I see you. I see you. No. Okay. Um, And I I had a little performer's heart. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make him proud. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to get everything right. But... I mean, you can be talented and gifted, but still extremely wounded and leak everywhere. Mm. And that's what was happening. I was kind of living this double life of trying to prove to my dad that I could be the captain of the cheerleading team and be in every club and get great grades. And then at the same time, I had lost my virginity at 13. I was sexually manipulated by a guy in high school um, who was much older than me. And I was sneaking out of the house, being all fast working in the teen club. Okay. Yes, I was. Um, and I I mean, from what 10, you know, and then I got out of high school and kind of pinged back to my whole accolade side. And I was like, all right, I'm breaking up with this guy. I'm going to live my best life. I'm about to be Olivia Pope out here. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to do my thing. I go off to college at 16 and put myself through college and said, I'm not going to date. Now I'm still messing around, being crazy. I was unsaved, okay? <laughs> um, But I wasn't dating. And I'm like, nope, I don't want to date anybody. It's over. I'm done. I'm going to focus on me. And so just went to the other, you know, end of the spectrum and just achieving. I was in like mm-hmm. 10 organizations. I was masking all that pain, just being numb and smoking weed and, you know, all the things that you do to stuff pain down. Mm-hmm. And then when I was getting ready to graduate, my undergrad at 19, I thought I was going to go to law school, had everything all planned out. Here comes the freaking validation wounds. Mm. And I meet this guy who's heavily pursuing me. And my friends are like, you're going to grow up. You're going to be a cat lady. Nothing against cat ladies. <laughs> well, you're single. You're not going to love anyone. No one's going to love you if you just focus on your career and your life. And, and so... I gave in. I, I started dating this guy. And in three months, he was like, hey, I'm going to move to Atlanta. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I'm going to go with you. Mm. Threw away law school, threw away everything. Because, you know, as we know, like our hurt and pain, all the things that we stuff, it creates extremely unhealthy abilities to put guardrails and boundaries in mm. your life. So when you say yes, you're like, yes, like, yes, 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 yes. I'm going to do it. No boundaries. I'm down. I'm going straight forward rather than processing through healthy boundaries, healthy guardrails, all the things. And so literally picked my behind up, moved from Texas, went to Georgia with this guy who had no job. He wanted to pursue being an R&B singer. Shout out to Usher yes. yet again. And I mean, I had a job. 
I was like, okay, we're going to go do this thing. And my life became that. Wow. And we got out to Atlanta and it quickly turned into an extremely verbally abusive situation. There was some physical abuse there, doors ripped off the hinges, holes in the walls, all the different things had come to surface um, because I had said yes blindly, specifically blinded by all this pain that I had stored up. And it was one of the most embarrassing seasons in my life because I'm still on a pursuit to um, please my dad, Mm -hmm. to perform for other people, to post on social media like it's all good and okay. And I'm going home and being cursed out and yelled at. But you hide that Mm -hmm. because of embarrassment and shame. And so I did, but I ended up getting into ministry and got saved at 21, finally, right? Didn't have like the 13-year-old summer camp kind of story, you know? Um, Took your girl a little while. (laughs) I get saved, I get into church and my my mentor saw something in me and was like, hey, you've got got something there on your life and we want to help clean you up and turn you around. And so that happened. Um, But unfortunately, my ex-husband at the time did not want that life. And so we were living this, again, this double life where so much turmoil and toxicity at home and me wanting to pursue ministry Mm. um, out in the the public and pretending everything was fine. And a year goes by, we're married and I get pregnant with a precious baby girl. Mm. We're completely broke and we are a a toxic home for sure. And and we're on WIC and food stamps and financial assistance from the church that I worked at, which is crazy. One of the story, but I was just dying, man. Mm. Like I, I had gone from this girl that saw the world through these, this beautiful lens of acceptance and love and tolerance. And I turned into this extremely hurt, abused, bitter woman. And it was leaking everywhere Mm. because our pain just cannot stay siloed. I I was an unhealthy wife because of a toxic marriage and unhealthy coworker. And what hurt me the worst is I was an unhealthy mom. Mm. I could not bear to do that to my daughter. And so I I ended up leaving the marriage. I got a divorce and hid. I mean, left every bit of my community, hid behind everything, left the church, Mm. hid behind a a nonprofit job, literally just went and started over um, and thought I could do it without counseling as well. (laughs) And that was a a real hard fail right there. I still was an unhealthy mom. Mm. I still was a healthy friend and put myself into counseling. And for two years, for one time a week, one hour a week, I cleaned up 24 years of mess. And it was treacherous. (laughs) It was the best pain, but it was really, really, really hard. Yeah. Um, So yeah. When you're sharing your story, a couple things come to my mind is, uh, daddy issues. <laughs> I mean, woo, hello. Um, also shout out to Beyonce's song, daddy issues on lemonade. Oh, I can't like belt it. Oh, yes. oh yes. Don't even start with the dick street. Yes. <laughs> and so I grew up in a situation with my, my family was very dysfunctional. There were divorces, affairs, addictions, and it, I, my experience in high school was I kind of like metaphorically cut my dad out of my life and cut him out of my heart. And I made a promise to myself that 
you know, he's not going to hurt me. No man's going to hurt me. And I went years without even shedding a tear. And I remember it was in college or post-college. I prayed one day and I said, God, I just want to cry. Why am I not crying? And I didn't even know that because I had all of this trauma from my childhood that as a kid, you just survive, right? I mean, where our trauma throws us off the boat and we're just trying to tread water. And I ended up getting in a relationship with a guy. It was terrible, toxic. You know, he was he was a Christian guy. He was supposed to be this quote unquote good guy. He was awful, ran around to me all the time. I was basically attracting any sort of addictive type narcissistic personality to heal my daddy wounds with every guy that I interacted with. But I did not know that I had daddy issues. And then I went to counseling, kind of how you said you did your two-year therapy. I started going to a therapist, and it was because I couldn't stop going back to this guy that was so toxic. I was, it was a moth to the flame. And my counselor, all she wanted to do was talk about my dad. And I kept saying, I don't need to talk about my dad. This is not about my dad. This is about this homeboy that I can't keep. Like, I feel like I am like a moth to the flame here. She kept talking about my dad, kept talking about my dad. And I was probably the worst client because I was like, well, do you have daddy issues? Why are you putting this on me? And it took me a long time to be able to correlate or connect that who my dad was as a child was manifesting itself in my current life. And so my question to you is kind of similar. As you're going through this toxic marriage, which I can only imagine what that must have been like as you're on staff at a church. I can only imagine the shame or the confusion of, you know, you're supposed to have this perfect godly marriage and your marriage is crumbling. And were you aware that there was pain with your dad that was unresolved and, or was it just like, I'm just in this bad marriage? No, I was not aware to answer your question directly. I mean, we don't talk about, we don't talk a lot about pain and wounds and trauma in the church. Yeah. And so my world was surrounded around faith and faith and feelings don't mix up, sweetie. And and that's that. You know, we weren't doing research back then about, you know, Brene Brown, childhood wounds. And in the African-American community, we for dang sure don't talk about mm. counseling. That's like, you know, spooky, hocus pocus type talk mm, right there. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until we integrated white brothers and sisters into our lives. And they were just like, you know, on a conversation where Starbucks were having a little coffee and they're like, yeah, I went to my counselor process. It's like, oh gosh, you go to a counselor? What is that? <laughs> What's like? wrong with you? Yeah. It's like, whoa, you okay, sis? I don't know if we can be friends. This is wild, you know? And then they're like, oh yeah, you know, counselors, it's, it's kind of like going to a doctor. You know, doctors study the the biology or the you know human body and they help you to fix it but counselors help you to they study the human mind and they help you to like process your emotions and i'm like wait what are you like okay i want to try mm. and that's it and you go and you try and you figure it out and then you know you i think back now and i'm like freak where would i be mm. if i had not gone to counseling yeah. i can't even i mean it saves lives Mm. and legacies literally 
Yeah. So, yeah, girl, I ain't know nothing about it. I am so grateful for my friend Stephanie Mae Wilson and her heart to create content to help me walk into a place of God's presence with trust. She has a new prayer journal coming out. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. It's perfect for any woman who is navigating any sort of uncertainty about her future. It's a prayer journal for seasons of waiting and uncertainty, times of transition, and making big decisions. Single, married, a stay-at-home mom, or career woman, or anywhere in between, this prayer journal is for you. And I cannot wait to share it with you. The Between Places Prayer Journal launched officially on August 17th, and you can pick up your copy at smaywilsonshop.com. Stephanie also created a special promo code just for the Refined Collective listeners. The code is REFINED, and it will take 15% off of your copy of The Between Places. So again, to pick up your copy, just head to smaywilsonshop.com and use promo code REFINED for 15% off. So can you kind of walk me through, you know, you have this two-year process. I know now you're remarried to Sam and you guys, first of all, there's a picture of you guys on Instagram where you're on this rooftop and you have this black floor like dress on and he's in this suit. And I'm just like, watch out Beyonce, (laughs) Jay-Z. Sam and Tony are coming. So what's, what was the process like? Cause obviously healing isn't linear, right? You're not you don't go to counseling for one time, six months, even a year, and okay. and then never struggle again. So what was your journey walking out of your divorce and yeah. into wholeness and into a new life? Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you don't have as many things to battle with as I had. Mm. And if you do, I feel you. Mm. Um but for me, the first step was just going to counseling. And I I will never forget the first meeting. I walked in, there's like a blank canvas type situation. The counselor's like, tell me your story. I'm like, this happened, this happened, a little sexual abuse right there, mm-hmm. had some abuse up in there, had a little bit with, you know, with bulimia, eating disorder, you know, nothing crazy. And I finish up and she's like, hey, you've carried a lot. Mm. Like, I just, what I don't want you to do is think that what you have coped through is normal and healthy. And for the very first time in my life, as much as it hurt, I had to be honest, not about just about the people that had hurt me and the relationships I'd been in, but the now unhealthy person that I am. Mm. And I have a role to play and a responsibility in putting myself in situations like that. And whether it's out of a place of ignorance, Mm. whether it is out of a place of abuse and force, there are moments when I made specific decisions Mm. that created this person that I am today. And, And so that was literally just step one, awareness of, hey, you've got a lot. For me personally, and for a lot of other people, a lot of our pain is rooted in something right? It's, there's a belief, there's a lie, there's a fear that was planted when you were in that toxic thing. Mm. For me, it was chronic insecurity on every front. My mom had a stroke in front of my eyes, in my arms. We almost lost her and she had medical issues. 
from the top to the bottom. Uh There was always a fear that I would lose my mom. Mm -hmm. There was always an insecurity that I am unsafe, I'm alone, and I don't have nurturing. When my dad would yell at me and curse me out and call me names and never celebrate the good, there was scarcity in feeling like I could actually accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. And so I fought for perfection and achievement over friendships, over my own personal health, And so there was an insecurity there that drove me past the points that I should have been operating Mm. in. Every little thing that I had was deeply rooted in insecurity. And so I went through this very long course called So Long Insecurity, You've Been a Bad Friend to Us uh, by Beth Moore. So good. And let me tell you, that sucker slaps you in the face. Do you hear what I'm saying today? snatched out half my edges and I'm still growing these suckers back right now. Beth Moore is like my hero. I mean, everything she does, I'm like, yes, 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 please. Yeah, like I want that. Mm-hmm. Adopt me, put me on a shelf up in your house, I won't, okay? <laughs> so I went through this entire process and we realized that I had this, you know, extreme bottomless pit where whenever someone would tell me how good I was, it would just fall out of the bottom. It would go right mm-hmm. on in, it would fall out of the bottom because the bottom of my pit of achievement and security and sureness in myself could only be intact if I actually believed it. Mm. But I wasn't there yet. So I had to go through all this insecurity stuff. Then we transitioned into EMDR. Mm. I literally hate, it's trauma treatment, but the name of it is so hard. It's eye desensitization movement therapy. Mm. Okay, It's it's a long name. Long story short, you go into REM sleep, um, through a cycle of, you know, sounds or eye movement, um, direction. And you go into kind of like that groggy space where you're like up and you know that you're alive and you're you're a human and not an alien, Mm. but also you're not like wide awake. And it helps to bring your brain back to spaces of remembrance of deep hurt. And we found out about the daddy issues through that. So the first round of EMDR that I went through and completed was for my dad. Mm. And the moment that they bring you back to with trauma treatment is the the moment that you remember that really started and impacted it all. And for me, I was sitting at the table. I'll never forget it. It is ingrained into my brain. I was sitting at at the table in elementary and I'm eating dinner with my parents and my brothers. And I accidentally drop over this red cup of juice. It's probably red Kool-Aid. Shout out to it. And it goes everywhere. And my dad just, I, I, I'm like emotional right now because it, it don't, the, you don't forget. Yeah. Um, and that's not what trauma treatment is. It is not forgetting. It is being able to reconcile and process it in a healthy way. But my dad just, I mean, he just yells at me. He rips into me and I'm looking around and I'm so sad. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. And I look for my mom mm. and just in the corner, not saying anything because she won't save me. Wow won't rescue me because she's, you know, so afraid and intimidated by my dad as well. And I'm just alone and I'm defending myself. And for every relationship with a man that I had ever been through, it was that. It was me trying to please this man and him never being satisfied. And if I made a mistake, he would go off on me, shame me, gaslight me, Mm. all of that. And it was not until the, I healed that part of me that I could enter into a healthy relationship with my now husband, Sam, because where that shows up in healthy relationships is that when Sam gets vulnerable and expresses himself to me and says, hey, really didn't like the way that you said that to me, 
instead of me going into that little girl who dropped the red cup mm. and out and clamming up and defending myself and saying, no, you're wrong. I did not say that in a mean way. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not sure why you're attacking me. He's like, hey, just trying to express myself, sis. Like you hurt my feelings here. <laughs> you come. And I turn into my mom and I don't rescue him. Wow. And I mean, it's just all so interconnected. So went through all that trauma treatment, went through it for my mom as well, for my last marriage. I mean, round after round after round. And let me tell you this, I am still in counseling right now. I go once a month. I went through a 16-week trauma course for sexual trauma healing, wow. 16 weeks with other women. I mean, this it, this is hard and holy work, yeah. as my friend Cassandra says. Yeah. Hard and holy work. And it does not stop. Right. We are always doing ourselves in so many ways. And I think when you share that, I think back to, you know, my own heartbreaks and even just the girls reaching out on Instagram asking, how do I get over a heartbreak? How do I overcome rejection? How do I overcome my past? Mm -hmm. And I think the hard part about attempting to answer that question is Mm -hmm. there's no quick fix. No. (laughs) There's no, if you do these three things, then you will be healed forever and you'll have the perfect marriage and you'll have the perfect community. And I think... We want everything just to be easy and comfortable and, oh, well, I, I, I did that. I checked that off the list. So that means that I did my heartbreak. So let me put that in a little box and put that on the shelf and move on. And life just doesn't really work that way. And I read you have this incredible blog post on heartache that I love. And something that you said is you talked through Psalm 34, which I would love for you to share about that. And But one of the things you said was, we've created a world that lacks endurance, that somehow doesn't expect imperfection. And that stood out to me so much because, yeah, we want the three steps to becoming an Instagram influencer or how do I become an overnight success with my podcast? How to become a millionaire overnight? And I'm like, if all this was so easy, then we'd all be millionaires with six-pack abs, with the perfect relationships, with no childhood trauma. And yet here we are. In that, Tony, what do you say maybe even to your younger self when you're in that. Because even I hear your story and I'm like, dang, like you've been doing work for so long and you're still doing the work. I could take that and feel like, oh, that's discouraging. It might not even be worth doing the work. But what motivates you to press into those moments of heartache? Um, I Let me say this. There is a deeply rooted lie that our world teaches us directly and indirectly that it is perfection. It is getting it right. That brings us closer to the finish line of our success. And that's extremely tactical. And it works so well when it comes to business and ministry sometimes and checking off boxes and maybe even school, going through school, getting your master's, PhD, et cetera but it does not work in relationship. Mm. And I don't think I've ever said this, this directly. Perfection is not what creates longevity in marriages and relationships. It is being with someone in their imperfection. And that's what creates trust. Mm. And that's what creates safety. And that's what creates a relationship where you can look someone in the eye 
and say, you say what Brene Brown says to us all, okay, the queen. Yes. You are imperfect and you are wired for struggle, but you are still worthy of love and belonging. Mm. And I mean, come on. That's what gives us yeah, the chills. Yeah, so good. That's what makes us feel so deeply seen in love. The, the, we, we quantify our relationships by how well we can do them. Mm. Like, we're just gonna, if we just kill it, if we go on day night every single week, if we just do this, if we post the right filter with the right thing, if we become relationship goals. But if we could qualify our relationships in the face of love and imperfection, I mean, that's when we go the freaking distance. Yeah. When I look at my own parents who have been together, and I know, God dang it, I know they're broken news, okay? <laughs> Up down, all around. It's when my mom decided to say, hey, I'm going to leave you if you stop talking to me like that, but just know I want to be here. Mm. So change and let's heal and be better and let's keep on going and make it to 30 years, which my parents made it to 30 years yesterday. Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, and, it, and it's that. And I think if we can... Shut down this idea of in a world that says we have to be perfect to be used, perfect to do everything, that actually God wants to use us in the middle of our mess. Mm. God wants to have all those Saul to Paul conversion moments in our own lives. And we can get down to the nitty gritty of our imperfections and shine through them in a healthy way. I mean, I think, I think that is when we create healthy relationships. One of the things that Sam and I are forever pissed off about <laughs> is the fact that people did not tell us before marriage that you, this isn't about being happy. Wow. It's about being holy. It's a refining process. And it's hard as heck. And we get to have fun, crazy, amazing moments. Mm-hmm. We signed up for hard and holy and perfection building work. Like that's what we signed up right. for. And I just hope that people can just strip off the masks of, I don't even, of whatever this world of like the, I don't, I was going to list some like celebrities, but I'm like, well, that's wrong. (laughs) We don't want to shame anybody here. (laughs) But our ideas of relationship goals, if we can strip that away and look at the own depths of our pain and what we carry and whole healthy selves for the people that we get, get to be in a relationship with. Yeah. And we honor it more. So even as you say that, I can't help but think of, I'm single and I live in a city where the church I go to is 80% single people. It's not a college town. These are people that are in their careers, nearing their 40s. And when you're saying marriage and relationships are not about my happiness, it's about my wholeness, it makes me wonder why so many of us are still single. And I've asked this to a lot of different people on the podcast. Mm. But I wonder if we are still as single people, so obsessed with the idea of happiness and entitled to basically marry. I want the guy that is godly, hot, tall, you know, financially stable. I want all these things. We want all these things. The guys want, you know, the perfect girl. And I just wonder if that's why we're all single is because deep down, maybe we're not saying with our words that what we're seeking is happiness or fulfillment or for this person to fix me, save me, heal me, tell me how beautiful I am so that I won't struggle with the eating disorder, whatever the thing is. And no person can measure up to that. And so we're all walking around 
not knowing how to navigate dating or heartbreak for that matter, because in heartbreak, we feel betrayed. And sometimes, I mean, I've definitely been betrayed. I've been cheated on all the things. But I wonder if it feels even harsher because we don't even know that we're believing and buying into this lie that life is about my happiness. Mm. What do you think of that? Man, first of all, I agree with and love what you said um, just about this idea that, you know, we want to be happy. Mm. We just want to be happy and we want to own our space. And I think everyone, all of humanity has a right to want joy, (laughs) right? Like we, we have a right to want that and to desire it. I think, unfortunately, the, one of the reasons I feel like there are many reasons why we are still single and out there in our, in our silos and our echo chambers, um, is a collective issue of all of us who decided not to get mentally and emotionally healthy. Wow. You, you go on one date. I have my best friend, Anastasia, who I mean, she's been dating. She's on dating apps. She wrote on our blog about dating. She's incredible. She's so healthy. She's going to counseling. She's constantly getting herself together. And she goes on a date with someone who is not. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, T, like, this is scarring, bro. Mm. Like, people are out there carrying around toxicity, narcissism, pride, anger issues, substance abuse. And dating is scary as heck. Mm-hmm. And I would rather be single and maintain all of the mental and emotional health that I've done mm. than to try to get someone and ruin that. Yeah. And so that's another layer. Yeah. But also, I think we as a collective body, has we have to retrain the mindsets and the definitions of godly relationships. Like we have to start being honest about what this actually is. This is not a freaking fun, um, fair carnival where we jump from ride to ride, from playground thing to playground piece. This is a journey of refining our wholeness with another person, but coming into it with a level of wholeness that actually creates a healthy foundation. But somebody going to get laid off their job while you married. Somebody is going to potentially get into a traumatic situation and you're going to have to look your spouse in the eye, your significant other in the eye and help them heal through that. So like it's going to (laughs) happen and we got to have the healthy bottoms that I needed, right? We, we got these buckets and it's just, there's no bottom to it. Mm. We just are going around surviving and thriving off of Facebook, Instagram, likes and comments with bottomless pits. And we, as individuals, if we can get our freaking pride under control and say, I am sick in so many ways, I have that pornography addiction, I have that substance abuse, I've one too many times gone out with my girls and been face planted on the freaking ground because I got too drunk. I feel you, sis. I'm not talking about you, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm caring that we've been there, that there are many nights that I do not remember, mm-hmm. Okay. It, until we look ourselves in the eyes and become the healthy whole individuals that we want to date and we want to marry, we're going to perpetuate a cycle of single people roaming the earth. Right. Or, and it's going to grow. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Because I think, isn't it so easy just to sit here and complain and be like, oh, there's just no good guys out there. Or man, all these guys that I'm going on dates with are douchebags and they are the worst. And chivalry is dead. In all of that, I'm like, well, I'm the common denominator. Guess who shows up to every single one of those situations is me, myself, and I. 
just frolicking around, just being all wild. Yes. And I think for me, I mean, I went through a whole transformation in the last seven years living in New York City. And I moved to New York and that was kind of right at the explosion of me really dealing with my past. And I had been in counseling for years and I thought, man, I've made all this progress, moved to New York, but I did all that healing, but I hadn't been dating. And then Mm. I moved to New York and I date like crazy and I am getting heartbroken. I'm getting stood up. I'm getting ghosted. And it was interesting because I went through this level of healing and then it was though I needed to walk it out a little bit. And in that walking out, I realized I still have more work to do because I'm still really attracting emotionally unavailable men. I am still wanting to go on the first date and think this is my husband. (laughs) And it was really like, I think there's a point of what you're talking about doing the healing and confronting myself and saying, all right, I'm part of the problem. If I'm single, because that's what God has for me, praise God, I have a calling on my life. I have purpose Mm -hmm. and let me run that race with full force. But if I'm single because I am in my own way, then I can take responsibility for that. Yeah, that's good. And sometimes I don't know that I'm still a mess until I get out there and start practicing what I have just learned and realize, oh, no, okay, great. There's uh, still some more work to do here. Yeah. And so when, when as I'm kind of sharing that, what I'm thinking about is just the practicals of going through heartache. Because I feel like the battle cry that I'm hearing from you is first and foremost awareness and then dealing with your own ish. Am I hearing that right? <laughs> oh, oh, number one. Well, I mean, you said it earlier. Like, you, when you went to counseling and you were trying to figure out wh- why you were pursuing and attracted to this crazy guy, right? Mm-hmm. It literally was rooted in the depths of your healing with your dad. Right, right. And, we, and the hardest thing I think I ever had to do was take responsibility mm-hmm. from the, for the toxicity in my first marriage. Wow. Because I'm a victim, right? Yeah. Like victims, dang it. And we want to stay right there in our victimhood. Sometimes we need to, to heal, to recognize how people have really hurt us and to accept it. However, at some point, bro, at some point, sis, you got to be a victor. Yeah. And you use that for yourself and for the future of your relationships. Mm, That's so good. If you know anything about me, you know this. I love Beyonce, God, talking about dating and relationships, and I am obsessed with skincare. I started really taking care of my skin a few years ago, and I mean really taking care of my skin. And now as a 35-year-old woman, the one thing I wish I would have known in my 20s about skincare is that it's never too early to start. One brand I've really come to appreciate is Beauty Bio. They have an incredible patented at-home micro-needling tool called the Glow Pro. What they're passionate about in-office results at home and with accessible price points. Because as much as I love skincare, there's no way I can afford those $400 lotions and elixirs. The microneedling treatment helps create firm, smoother, younger-looking skin with tighter pores. And hello, who does not want tighter pores? Not only is it incredible for anti-aging and financially accessible, it also doesn't add hours onto your skin regimen. I'm all about function and efficiency, y'all. And in just 60 seconds a day, you'll see results. So go to beautybio.com and check out their Glow Pro microneedling regeneration tool and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order at checkout. 
That's beautybio.com and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order. Something that I do when I'm going through heartache is if I've just been rejected, broken up with, whatever, I unfollow that person on social media. Like That's Mm. something that's small and it also, it might seem as an extreme measure perhaps, but... For me, if I'm trying to go through a breakup and I'm trying to get over someone, I don't need to be creeping on their Instagram, looking at their IG stories, seeing what girl commented on their new photo. And so I would just love to hear if you have any quick wins or small wins of, all right, if you're going through that breakup, here's some small everyday things that you can implement. 100%. Let me just affirm you and say, (laughs) yes unfollow them. What are you even talking yes. about? I even okay. block. I block. I'm like, you know what? I just, I'm not strong enough not to search their name on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not strong enough. Okay. <laughs> Dang it. That's being real with yourself. I just want to affirm that. That is amazing. That is more about boundaries in yourself than it is about hating on somebody or right, being crazy. Right. So, um, there was something that I realized about myself in continual health that I needed to some guardrails around. And it was something called the replenishment cycle. I went through this Tom Patterson life plan institute thing, and it was just so good. But it talks about this idea of having um, kind of like (laughs) of having a reserve of health that you can pull on. And it was called the replenishment cycle. Mm. And so for me, it's the first step is figuring out what brings you joy. And I don't mean a bottle of rosé, which that does bring me a little joy, a glass, you know? I mean, what brings your soul, your emotions, your mind, stability, and joy? Mm. For some people, meditation. The Calm app wooed me to sleep in the midst of my anxiety so many yes. times. Also, now Harry Styles has a calm bedtime story, so... I want it. I need I it. I made it. Um, But that was big for me. A part of my replenishment cycle included some type of quiet time meditation. I needed that daily because my brain just races. It just does. Mm. Another part of my replenishment cycle was nature. For some odd reason, God made you girl. I don't know. Country. My family grew up in Louisiana. I'm in Texas. I love trees. I love nature. Hikes. All the things. I don't know why. But it brings me so much safety and joy to just see it and be around it. Another thing for me, if we're just going to get real, yeah. like my hair and my nails, yes. like a clean cut, some clean edges, nails kind of looking decent, whatever it is. Like there is something about it that does make me feel well. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Like I just, you know, people get into this whole back and forth about, well, your, you know, your external should not always impact your internal, but like, don't forget that the souls God gave us are inside of the bodies he gave us. And so we get to take care of them too. Mm -hmm. And working out is a big deal for me too. I I literally have to go to the gym. It does something to my little nerves. I'm sure there's some science behind it, whatever. That is my replenishment cycle. I set up number one, what it is. Then I set up the consistency I needed in it. Is it every day? Is it every week? How can I keep myself balanced? So that when heartbreak comes knocking at your door and it will knock on that freaking door okay you have something to pull from and fall on and maybe you need to increase the hikes mm. maybe you need to increase you know going and having quiet time and using the calm app at night but you got to know what you can pull yeah. from and it's not other people yes it is what you decide 
goes best with your body, with your mind, with your emotions that you can control. Things that people cannot take away from you. Mm. You have to control it. And you go to that and you pull from that and take pride in that thing. Yeah. There is a badge of honor. Like, oh, no, no, I'm about to go get filled up, girl. Right. And it's okay to pull from that and know it. Um, What should not be a part of your replenishment cycle is a text message from a guy or girl. That cannot fill you up. It is not supposed to. You have to have your own. Mm. So that's what I love about that is it's, again, you pausing to take responsibility for even what what replenishes me and what brings me life. And I was just listening to, you know, we have Zoom church going on here in New York. Is that is that what's going on in ATL too? Nowhere it's at. You already know <laughs> what the small church. We got the Zoom church and I'm just like so ready for in person. But you know, we're honoring the COVID and I'm here for it. But my pastor said this weekend, he goes Sometimes the only thing we can do is get up again and fall forward. So here's the key. It's just not giving up. Mm. And what I, oh, it's so good, right? John Tyson, man. When I hear your replenishment cycle, what I hear is a commitment to even in the pain, even in the grief, to keep moving forward, even if it is one tiny step, even if it's you know what, today I'm going to get dressed. And I just want to reject any sort of spiritual guilt for taking care of your physical body because the physical manifests the spiritual. And I mean, sometimes when I am feeling like crap, the thing that I need to do is preach truth to myself to show myself that I am worthy. And one of those things is taking care of myself getting dressed, getting the nails done, doing my hair, going, working out, everything you're saying. I just think, especially for women, women in culture at large, but women in the church as well, we are conditioned to only be outward focused. And I am all about that. But scripture says to love your neighbor as yourself. And I cannot love you. I cannot give if I do not have any of that for myself. So I just love everything that you just said is I'm just here for it. And I'm so with you. There's something about nature. And I don't know what it is for you, but I think for me, it's this healthy reminder that the universe is big and I am small. (laughs) And everything's going to be okay. That's good. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm. How did you go from this story of like toxicity, then you get healthy and then you got remarried. How did you guys meet? What's kind of, what was kind of how you guys met? What's y'all's story and where are you at today? And what are you up to? Yeah. Well, Sam, a hundred percent met me in the depths of my ratchetness. It was such a random thing. I was separated at the time, not divorced, going through it in secret. Nobody knew, but I had two close friends that really knew what was happening. Even my parents, I was so hesitant to tell them because I was so afraid. And um, someone called me and said, hey, we'd love for you to help us like build out the creative structure of a church that we're trying to build in Atlanta for young people, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to be a part of church anymore. I've got a lot of church here. Mm. I'm currently right now, so I don't know. So I ended up making them an entire like presentation. And I'm like, here you go, bye, do this. I'll see you later. Well, they then call me back and they say, hey, we want to present this idea to this guy. 
And we would love for you to come and do it. And I was like, no, I don't want to be part of church anymore. <laughs> like, you know, seriously, please, please, please. So we, it ended up being Buckhead Church, which is one of our North Point churches. I roll up in there in a room with a whiteboard and I am presenting to Sam. Oh, dear. Yeah. Don't have a wedding ring on. I'm like transitioning me and my daughter out. And I mean, it was crazy. Well, did I know the guy that invited me had been texted by Sam, like, who is this girl? Like, whoa, where does she come from? I'm down for the cause. Well, the guy he didn't know, but he, he was like, no, no, no. She's married, bro. Like she's off limits. So Sam was like, okay, bye. <laughs> um, and so then at the end of the meeting, we're like, obviously waiting for Sam's reply. Like, what do you think about this idea? Sam does a lot of, does and still does a lot of ministry in connection with North Point Ministries. And so everyone was always presenting things to him. And he's like, yeah, no, I don't think this is a great idea, but I can help you guys individually. Like, what do you guys want to do? So he really started connecting us in different ways to different churches mm. all around Atlanta. The guy that presented the idea became the creative arts pastor of the church. One of the other girls that was there, she randomly became um, a flight attendant, which was also cool. And then Sam introduced me to North Point. He was like, hey, like he prophesied to me and everything that night. He's like, I, th- I still think God's got a calling on your life. Wow. He was, you know, I, I mean, I can meet with you and your husband and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's great. Um, you little, you know, I'm literally getting a divorce and I was so ashamed. And mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, tell, you know, tell me about North Point. Sure. But I'm like, they're not going to accept me. I'm about to be freshly divorced. I ended up going and visiting Buckhead Church and I met all of the pastors there and, and they were like, oh my gosh, we love this girl. We'd love to get you connected here. So I literally ended up going to North Point. Gwinnett Church is another one of our churches. Um, put me on stage. And I mean, it just blew up. Well, my divorce got final or finalized about 30 days after I filed, which was crazy. Wow. I did my entire divorce myself because I was literally hiding it. No one knew still. Wow. And my ex-husband, unfortunately, got on some dating apps before it was finalized, before people really knew. And so obviously I had people reaching out to me saying, Hey, I just swiped left on your husband. Oh, okay. Shit. Like, I'm like, whoa, okay. And so took a like crazy leap of shame faith and announced that I was, you know, we were divorced and everybody was like, Whoa, that's crazy. Well, about a couple weeks later, <laughs> the boy Sam slides up in the DM. He did not slide in the DM. He texted me. <laughs> I know this is crazy. I know you just went through probably one of the worst seasons of your life. I'm so sorry to hear it. Do you want to go to lunch with me? And I'm like, brother, I don't even know who the freak or whose I am right now. I mean, I don't even know. I talked to my mom and my best friends who have been walking with me through it. And they're like, go on that day, girl. You've been in this crazy marriage. You better go on that day. What are they with Sam? Five freaking hours later, literally our waitress um, had like switched um, roles. Like there was a second waitress that came in because we were there literally for so long, switched shifts. Um, And it was great and it was beautiful. And I mean, we fell in love quick months and months later and it was just crazy and and went and got eloped, got married. Only a couple of friends knew, kept it real low key, walked in a lot of shame because of my divorce and... Then our mentors were like, no, we love you. What are y'all talking about? You don't have to be ashamed of this. It's okay, Tony. You've got a story of brokenness. Mm. We had a marriage celebration with over 300 people. Reggie Joyner, a close mentor, was there, married us, made jokes about the fact that we, that we got married and didn't tell a lot of people. And they were just grateful to be there the second time wow. that they were invited. 
Um, and it was beautiful. And Sam will say the same thing. We look back at our story and we rushed a whole bunch. Mm. And one of our, you know, other mentors, like he specifically talks about these rules of love, sex, and dating. And we, we define all those rules. Mm. You know, he said, we're off and take some time to, to regroup. When we first started dating, Reggie was like, Hey, let us walk with you guys. Like, let's walk slow. We were like, Nope, we're in love. <laughs> Bye. And that made the first and second year very difficult. Mm. And I wish that people would have told us, You're going to be in love if you guys are meant to be forever. Wow. What you can miss out on is a healthy on ramp to a lifelong marriage. And we missed out on that. Mm. And there was a lot of healing that had to happen because of, you know, us rushing wow. into it. Um, but we are here and by the grace of the actual Lord and a whole bunch of counseling, we have three counselors, a marriage counselor, a counselor, I have a counselor and hard and holy work. We are here and standing so strong with a beautiful foundation Mm. that mixed with pain and hurt and healing Mm. and trust built over time and we get to do ministry together. He has an incredible brand called A Greater Story, helping people to connect to the God story that's you know available to them. And I get to lead a women's ministry talking about brokenness and healing. And we're just two imperfect, loud as heck, crazy people that are pursuing Jesus first and then our family and marriage second. That's so good. And Quick question. What is, is he a three on the Enneagram too? No, he is not. What you sense, my friend, <laughs> is the eight in him. Got it. Got it. Okay. He is an eight, eight. Like an eight, okay. Okay. Like, like Enneagram dimension, <laughs> I where he would be on the eight times two. Um, but just a driver. Wow. And man, changed my life. Wow. my life with or without marriage. Mm changed my life because wow. that's not even how we started. Yeah. Um, he is a huge part of my redemption wow. story. And I'm forever grateful mm-hmm. um, for his belief in that random night of him prophesying and saying, no, God's not done with yeah. you. So um, wow. And thank you for sharing too. I think it would have been easy for you to say, yeah, I met this great guy after my divorce and everything was great. We got married and we're here today. We're living our best lives. Sam's book just came out. Your broken crayons, still color organization is out. But to say, actually, you know, it was a hard learning curve and we sped things up in dating, which how relatable is that? I mean, So I feel as though so many Christians do that, whether it's because all they really want to do is get in bed together or whatever the reason is to speed things up. And then that's going to make for some difficulties. And I always joke with my friends because I have judged people hardcore for jumping the gun on their marriage. And I'm like, I just feel as though God's going to play a big joke on me and I'm going to meet someone we're going to get married in two months because... (laughs) What in the He's like, you- Oh, you're gonna judge everyone? Okay, here's your story. <laughs> Bye. 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 Yeah, at the end of the day, man, we just gotta be real yeah. and tell our story. And it does not mean that if you rush into it, it's gonna be crazy right, and bad. Right. But it was crazy and bad for it. Like we just gonna, you know, we, we should have leaned not on the side of right or wrong, but what's wise. Right. Like that's what we should be asking mm. ourselves, you know? So yeah. That's such a good question to ask. All right, Tony. 
Where can we keep in touch with you? Where I know you even have you have some Facebook groups out. You even launched a course recently. How can we get all the goods? Yeah. All the goods. All the goods. Um, so we, we have uh, Instagram, obviously, and and um, website for Broken Crayons. Um, it's we got real fancy with it. It's brkncrayons.com. BRKN crayons at uh, on Instagram as well. And then we just have women reach out to us and be like, look, I want to talk about my stuff. Mm. Okay. Like I didn't get this stuff out. And we're like, uh, okay, sis. So we created the hopeful woman um, collective and we talk more about hope than we do brokenness. And there's a beautiful balance in that. And there's spaces for that, but women needed a place where they could be hopeful. And we wanted to give that to them. And so we created the hopeful woman collective. It's just an exclusive private Facebook group. We have about 800 women in there that go freaking I mean, they are up in there. We are throwing virtual holy oil in that month. <laughs> real praying over. I mean, we have success stories, prayer stories, miracles. I mean, it is bonafide beautiful. Well, from that, they were like, okay, where are the resources at? We're like, okay, you needy women. I'm what kidding. is wrong with you? And so we, we started working on a course last October. It's called the Hopeful Woman Course. We got to partner with Good Grit Magazine on it. Um, the course is called the Hopeful Woman Course, Becoming a Woman of Good Grit. And we we put a little uh, soft launch out there and we have you know a few hundreds and hundreds of people signed That's up incredible. for it. And yeah. And we have something really special coming out. Um, and you know this virtual event life, but we this is the first time that I have ever actually said this publicly, but in September, we are doing a five-day um, broken but hopeful challenge. And oh gosh, I'm a verbal processor. I totally forget where I'm going sometimes, but it just hit me. And you are 100% on the list to email to be a part of I it. I would love to. I, I say yes. Part. I'm all in. <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm really talking to Yay. I'm getting an email next week. Anyways, um, but we're going to talk about some freaking broken stuff yes. and we're going to talk about wholeness and hope and it's going to be great. Amazing. So, Amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll link everything in the show notes and I can't wait for September. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for sharing your story. And I just feel like we're kindreds here. We're Texans. Oh, yeah. We both love Beyonce. We're both threes on the Enneagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> so all I'm really saying is if you want to set me up with anyone in ATL, I will move for love. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, okay. Got it. I'm going to start looking right now. It's very hard as a, a married woman. I will say that because <laughs> the people that just do not come on this side of the grass. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, dang it. And I'm just so like protective of my marriage. I'm yes. like, I will punch for y'all in the eye. Slide in the <laughs> room if you want to. Slide in these I DMs dare you. I dare you to slide oh, into these DMs. I'm <laughs> Not just kidding, but I will try my best, girl. I will look out. I will cover it in prayer That's right. as well. That's right. And love it. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. All right, girl. Okay, bye bye.